Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? Uh, I think a better question is how's the weather? Um, and it's lovely, sun's out. Uh, glori- glorious day. It was, um, I believe last week was Groundhog Day and, uh, and the groundhog ventured out of the hole. So uh, winter is ending early. Good. Thank you, Mr. Snow. Uh, or the reverse, I suppose, there. And Luke Perry, how are you? Yes, I'm uh, very well. I wouldn't bore you w- with the weather, but I will uh, bore you, do you with every Groundhog week. Day. <laughs> I know I did the other week. I, uh, I do apologise. Every week. I said every week. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not alone. the other week. I'm not alone every week. It's me and you. We're, we're the weather boys. I know. Well, yes. Uh, similar reports of Wicked. It's all um, sunshine in the morning. Lovely day. Get in that good vitamin D. Good. Uh, well, from the weather, we move to the, the newsroom. Um, it's, we, we're getting to the point, Sam's lost it already. The, this is, we're less than a minute. I, I just realised we're the one news show that does the, the weather before the news. I, know, I said that last week. We, we always do the reverse. We should get a jingle to, uh, to announce us moving back and get sponsored by somebody, um, maybe by the Russian military or something like that. Um, <laughs> now, we're getting to the point, thankfully, where... COVID isn't the only thing we have to talk about. There's plenty going on now. We've got, um, you know, plenty cracking off around Russia and Ukraine, especially with the visit from uh, Liz Truss yesterday in Moscow, which we'll move on to, um, as well as general political squabbles, which are, are usually not interesting. But I think the the event which happened with uh, Sakir Starmer last week does have some interesting themes that we can discuss around it so we're going to that but we will start on the covid story since that is our tradition it's what we do and that of course is canada and the truckers um who of course weren't just fighting against um covid and lockdown oppression but were racists and homophobes and all this according to trudeau so what do we make of the events going on there at the minute well i was saying to you before the recording that canada has gone full banana republic on this matter um i mean and it, it, it just shows the, the the real um dishonesty going on where you know if if we are to believe that we do live in a functioning democracy i mean obviously we don't um then you know all protests are treated equal but clearly some are more equal than others because yeah. the the right to disrupt seems to be a privilege held only by approved protests you know mm-hmm. You don't hear a peep from these people when you know XR block off roads, or you know, or when BLM make entire downtown areas war zones. Um, yeah. well, no, nothing about that, you know, because we, we're told you know that disruption is a is a vital part of protest. Like, how are we going to get them to listen if we aren't breaking up the the, the flow of uh, of normal life? Well, this is what's happening, and it's being led by people who, under proposed laws in Canada and introduced laws in Canada, are essentially second-class citizens they can't get on a bus they can't go to a restaurant or a bar or a cafe um in some cases it's a legal requirement that they're fired from their jobs you know and there's people who have you know they didn't have the privilege of staying at home watching netflix getting paid furlough money you know these people have been breaking their backs traveling nationwide and canada's a very big country yeah and they're a vital part of of every nation's uh infrastructure the, the, these you know these these working men who spend days and weeks away from their families and what thanks do they get? Well, it's being ejected from the polity. Um, mm. Their anger is absolutely justified. And if I'm, if I'm honest, you know, um, the, the fact that they're, you know, causing a bit of a ruckus, beeping their horns is infinitely better than, you know, burning down 
burning down buildings and churches and and you know destroying entire areas of you know burning police precincts. I mean, from what I've seen, there's been no cases of violence despite the absolutely stunning speech given by Trudeau, in which case he just issued lie after lie after lie. Um, and now it seems basically what the tact now is to provoke these people into violence so that they have their narrative set. I mean, I've seen stories about them saying, you know, they're going to take away their kids. They're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to track them down. They're going to, you know, uh, identify them and, and destroy their lives for, for not kowtowing. And, um, but going on to, to Trudeau, but he has been a complete coward in all this. When the truckers first showed up and giving some Oshawans a bad night, he, I think he, he fled the capital. I don't know if he fled the country or not, but he was nowhere to be seen when this um, admittedly and objectively peaceful protest was going on. And uh, but in the meantime, Canada just embraced the total states. There was 10 million dollars raised in the GoFundMe to help the protest you now buy food and warm blankets or whatever. And uh, the, the pro and the um, the GoFundMe page was shut down, largely in collaboration with the Canadian state, so it is alleged. And um, I believe that it said that the funds would have been refunded. But wicked, as you tell me, yeah, they've yeah. been siphoned onto um, pro-regime causes. Es now. Essentially, yes. So if you wanted a refund, you had a very narrow window to fill out a very complicated process to get your refund. And all, all money that was left, which I believe was still several million dollars, was, yes, was, was then chipped off to approved uh, NGOs and charities, yes. Hmm. One, of my, one of my favorite claims around all this that I heard uh, Trudeau make the other day was that the, the truckers, more than anything are uh, causing harm to the economy uh, through their protesting, which I thought after two years of closures, literally shutting places down permanently um, because they've not been able to recover, was uh, quite, quite brash. Um, but of course, all of, these, all of these talks are very brash and um, the language that is being used is very extreme. It's the sort of language where you're right, if it were against a different protest group, that would be used as justifying um, or at least explaining away damage being done by people. But as you say, I've, I've not seen reports of, of any harm being committed. If there were reports of harm being committed, it would be heavily criticised, I think. By it would, also, it, it, would be, also it, would be, it would be plastered everywhere. You know, yeah, there would be, be, no, be no allegation. There would be footage everywhere you look. It would be, like, be like Jan 6, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's true, but you know, people like us would still criticise it, worthy of criticising. Um, but as with the other protests you talk about, where damage was being done on a massive scale, um, so much so that you know, with Black Lives Matter in certain US cities, you, you had people putting posters up saying this is a black-owned business in the hope that that would mean their business wouldn't get destroyed, um, which which showed the sort of desperation. But a lot of this wasn't what was covered. What was covered was this is a great cause. Everybody needs to come together. We all must take the knee. Um, and those who don't are clearly racists and are in favour of a of a institutionally racist regime. So yeah, the 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 different approach towards the topic is very revealing. It's not surprising after all this time, admittedly, um, but um, it's it's still worth highlighting. And uh, I suppose it's revealing as well of the the, the GoFundMe, whatever it's called, page um, of being wary. Twitter has already shown this as well, but being wary of sort of large accepted um, 
website which people use for day-to-day -day activities but which if you aren't fully aligned with the regime as we call it then it could end up biting you in the ass you've got to be really quite careful with these things especially when money's to do with it hmm. um or even with twitter say with people who um whose livelihoods are largely based off advertising on social media they've got to be careful that that stream of of recognition for their work isn't cut off overnight because of their views people against the regime or critical of the regime now have to really walk on eggshells when it comes to these matters to make sure that they aren't overnight just stripped of their rights and uh, as the as the famous word goes cancelled because it's because just the go on because yeah. the regime won't kill you it'll just ruin your life you know and and, and this is a really alarming precedent because basically what gofundme are doing today your bank will do tomorrow you know it will suddenly yeah. be declared you know as as the the vice of the regime grows more and more total there'll come a point where unless you are an active agent you you will be declared subversive and therefore not allowed to have a living mm. Yeah, and, and of course we've seen the um, the marriage of church and state here, where um, it's not just the private sector, not just GoFundMe doing this. It is the state of Canada as well. I think in what was one of the states, Saskatchewan, but they uh, literally made it wrote bylaws for it to be illegal to support the truckers. Like you weren't allowed to stand on the side of the road. You weren't allowed to be blocking the road in any way, shape, or form. And this was introduced under a public health emergency act brought in right. at the start of the pandemic and uh, as we've seen with another fundraiser i think it was like go send or something yeah who who i believe yeah. resisted the the court order and they're still um allowing money to go through to the truckers yes but um the canadian government in ottawa still said that this has to be shut down that it was an offense perhaps even an insurrection to be donating to this hmm. evil and yeah, you, you've seen this elsewhere as well. You saw it with the, the White House calling for Spotify to um, up the heat on Joe Rogan. And um, yeah, sweet dreams, everyone. Yeah. What a what an affair that was, by the way. We've not it was was I not there last week or has, has the Joe Rogan thing happened since? Because we've definitely not talked about that. Um, I don't think we have gone into it. No, I, mean, I, I, I ran into it on OCP with um, with uh, Bob and Bob and Collingwood. But, um, yeah. No, it was a it was an interesting story. I I I really liked it when uh, was it Neil, uh, Young Cameron? Oh, uh, Neil Neil Young, yes, the uh... Neil Young came out and said, "If you don't get rid of Joe Rogan, I'm off." <laughs> Spotify just went, "Well, all right, you go because we're not going to." This must be a generational thing because loads of young people know who Joe Rogan is. Loads of young people do not know who Neil Young was. I certainly didn't know who he was before. Um, it's a, it's a shame that so, right, so happened. It's a shame, though, because I, I do quite like Neil's music. Um... Yeah, well, it's, I, this isn't my own comment, although I, I agree with it, but I saw someone put up that it, it reinforces the, the point that we must separate the art from the artist, um, <laughs> which, which you can see with so many people. I mean, I, if you listen to jazz or classical music, because of the, the age, you're, you're bound to find all sorts of horrible things about the people behind them. Um, but you've just got to try not to think about those things um, and enjoy the arts for, for art's sake. There you are. That's a completely different point. Um, Sam, you wanted us to go to you before we move on to the next story. Yes. Um, so you, thing you've got. So you, you mentioned um, the, the, the 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 hilarity of um, decrying the the truckers for causing 
uh, economic harm. Yeah. Uh, well, th this is uh, some new, fresh data out of uh, out of the UK, just about the uh, the, the the damage caused by the uh, COVID measures. So um, let's uh, let's go for some numbers here. So we've got a uh, six million patients now on the waiting list for the for um, appointments with the NHS. We've got um, three hundred six thousand people now waiting for surgeries. Forty-seven thousand missed cancer screenings. 40 million missed dental treatments, 31,000 pe fewer people have started cancer treatments, 53 million face masks discarded every day, 532 million spent on the Nightingale, which hosted 300 patients, yeah. um, 31.7 billion fall in tax intake, 61 days of missed learning. 660,000 jobs lost in hospitality, 1.2 million redundancies, 100 billion lost revenue in hospitality, 34,000 small to business, small to medium businesses closed, 4.3 billion lost to COVID loan fraud, 3 billion on uh, COVID catch-up programs for students, 28.3 billion spent on test and trace, uh, of which 8.7 billion is unaccounted for. 153.7 billion on business support. 30, 370 billion is the total sum that the government spent on COVID measures. And 36 billion extra is being pumped into health and social care in the next few years through the national insurance rise. I think we should do a, a Bornbrook quiz at the end of this. For those, <laughs> for those listening, what was, the, uh, what was the sum of the fourth figure, please? Um, those, no, it's, it's incredible. Those, and, and, those are numbers for you. you know, it, it's, yeah. it's criminal for people to... Yeah to lay any blame at the feet of the, the average man. It's absolutely criminal. Yeah, it is. And those those figures as well, important though they are, they're all surface level. So when we talk about the the cancer screening, say that have been missed, um, I mean, that they make a, a big difference. So the delays to starting treatment for cancer, the percentage differences you have for people who start treatment in the early weeks uh, or you know, up to a month or a half, something like that, is is massively different yeah. to someone who might start treatment yeah. uh, just some weeks after that point, or especially if it's months after that point. Um, early early spotting and early treatment is the biggest mitigating factor in in, in beating cancer. Yeah, yeah. By, by, by yeah. yeah, and then and then when you've got all this and you've got you know increased excess deaths as a result of people not being treated for things they otherwise would have been treated for, um, you've, the, the amount of misery that causes, which can't be put into a figure is is astounding um and the same with the with the the missing of the learning from younger ages you know i think it was what 62 days or something he said of missed learning well that's great but it doesn't tell us about the the loss of of social interaction as well that people had in those periods uh, or didn't have sorry in those periods and the effect that that has on someone's one their mental health the idea of of the young children now who are horrified of the idea of of meeting friends um when they when they go to school and also just in people's social skills later in life i mean crikey the people who who are born or in the early important developmental stages during lockdowns um are going to grow up and and be the generation which um will at its time have to lead the country lead industries be the educators um do do everything in the country and and they've had a, a very very shaky start to say the least um uh, some of them of course a lot worse being in in circumstances where um even at the best of times it's, it's fairly rough and having absolutely no support or somewhere else to go i.e school is shattering so yeah it's it's 
things which we can't account for in figures, which won't be realized uh, until decades down the line. And then you have someone come out and have a go at a trucker who's against some uh, some terrible restrictions for for damaging the economy a bit. It is it is unbelievable um, how much gall these people have that it's accepted in any way, and that people don't you know just just fire back. What on earth are you talking about? Absolute nonsense. Um, well, it's it's only unbelievable. It's only unbelievable. It's only unbelievable if you cede any um, yeah. moral authority to these to these criminals. Yeah, which which yeah. you just can't at this point. No, there's no point. It's ridiculous. Um, yes, well, I'm, I'm glad we went to there on the on the end point then, because that was a that was a juicy ending. So thank you for that. Now the other story then, which as we said, Sam, we've been talking. Uh, that's time we talked. We we're talking about sort of the the futility of the day to day politics, and um, especially in Britain, the two party squabbling, which is a complete facade, nothing but. Um, so it's rare for us to talk about something like this. But I think, as we said, there are deeper messages around it and just general political interaction, which are important. Um, and this is uh, the event that took place with uh, Sir Keir Starmer and David Lammy as they walked out of Parliament um, earlier this week. Um, and they were sort of surrounded by probably the people we saw when we went to London, actually. Yeah. We saw the stalls, <laughs> didn't we? There's a, I think they're there every day now, from what I've heard. Um, so why Starmer went out that way when there are other options, I don't know. Not to justify people doing, you know, d- doing what they did, whatever. Um, but regardless, um, a lot of people are pinning this on Boris Johnson's um, accusations, uh, as they were put, against the Labour leader around his time as the, the, the head of uh, public prosecutions and his, his failure to in- investigate um, offences committed by Jimmy Savile. Um, how much how much weight do you put behind that? Because obviously this was raised as a, a labour point to try and claw back a bit of victory and to you know further dig in with the whole Partygate scandal. Mm. It was it was raised because of politics, but are, is there still an important message behind that? Is there any truth? Well, it's it's it was a very interesting tactic from the PM. Um, so I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of a dead cat, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, because like, because um, the 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 cycle has turned from the prime minister broke the laws that he put in place to the prime minister made X allegation against Keir Starmer. Mm. Um, it's obviously there's been a massive uproar within the political elite where people have been, you know, there's been a mass resignations around the PM, um, around his advisors, um, and calls for him to apologise. But really, I think it was kind of a in a way, kind of stroke of genius. I mean, we talk about Operation Red Meat, right? You know, John, um, this sort of alarm bell in, in number 10 to start appealing to the Red Wall, otherwise they're going to lose them again. Mm. Um, and a big concern among um, sort of slightly more traditional um, blue-collar people is what appears to be um, a, an alarming trend around paedophilia being mm. you know, promoted academically, and swept under the carpet by various uh, state and bureaucratic forces in the UK. Starmer was um, head of the CPS from, I believe, 2008 to 2013. Uh, in that time, you had obviously the, the big one being the Jimmy Savile revelations, which, which I, actually, I believe was sort of an open secret by the time he died. Yeah. Um, as well as in that time, there were some very dark revelations around um, grooming gangs in the UK in which uh, thousands upon thousands of vulnerable young uh, white working class girls were systematically trafficked and raped and targeted 
um, and it, it, you know, if you if you look at the um, the 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 people involved, it, it does seem to be on some level racially or religiously motivated. Um, yeah. Some of the accounts you hear from the victims of this make it make it seem like they were targeted for being white. Um, they or, or at least they were viewed as being acceptable to do that to because they are white and you know and seen as being you know uh, promiscuous and unclean um there, there should be questions raised about the fact that um at every level of, of of the british polity this issue was ignored these girls were silenced they were um not listened to and it happened again and again and again i mean there's been what like nine or ten of these scandals um all following the exact same pattern um, and all of them having to be, you know, really strained in order to be released. A lot yeah. of people remained silent on the issue for fear of being branded yeah. racist, Islamophobic. These aren't things that came out. These weren't, it seems, found and instantly published. They were found and people thought, right, we've got to be really careful about this because yeah. we don't want to be labelled this or that. We don't yeah. want to cause any trouble. Because because one of the gods in in the new British pantheon is diversity, yeah. and that um, on a moral level that rests on moral relativism, the yeah. idea that these people oh they they're just they're, they're just meek victims who you know didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. These people were prosecuted, but not until it was far too late, not until damage was done. And yeah. it, it's it's another another trend we're seeing in, in policing where it's not proactive, it's it's reactive. You know, they it's like a fireman turning up after your house is burned down. Yeah. Um, yeah, and questions should be asked of Keir Starmer. And but also once again, this goes back to some protests are more equal than others. You know, the same people who decry what happened to Keir Starmer and David Lammy, the people who either A will go on about how you know we should cull the Tories and save the Badgers or whatever, you know, constant, um, almost murderous rhetoric against the against the, the ruling party, which you know, I whatever. But also just quickly on that, David Lammy himself, who was involved yeah. in, in this thing, what I saw a video the other day, essentially comparing the ERG group, the what's it called, uh, the the European, European Reform, Reform Group. That's the one, yeah, the Brexit group of Tory MPs, um, comparing them to Nazis, yeah. essentially. And in fact, when he was questioned that by Andrew Marr, he said, uh, it's not it's not harsh enough. Yeah. Um, or uh, so, or um, John McDonald, yeah. uh, Corbyn's right-hand man, saying, you know, a Tory MP shouldn't go anywhere without being harassed. Also, yeah. you had... You, you had um, during... Angela Rayner calling Tory yeah. scum at the Labour conference. Yeah. It's not exactly underground dealings here, is it? <laughs> or, or, or during the uh, 2019 Euro elections, you know, there was there were a lot of um, right-wing candidates got milkshakes, right? And that was cheered on. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 it's... Essentially, what we're seeing here is is the left regurgitating their own medicine after being fed it. You know, it's, this is it's more raping the whirlwind. Yeah, it, like that, yeah, yeah. You and is. I mean, they have like they have basked in doing this to their opponents for years now. You know, punch a Nazi. This machine kills Nazis, right? All that kind of stuff. And the second you know someone gets in Starmer's face, who ultimately, I mean, obviously, I don't think Starmer was. 100% aware and chose to protect Jimmy Savile or to protect the grooming gangs. But as someone who was the head honcho of the, the overseer, yeah, yeah, of the of the Crown Prosecution Service, he yeah. failed at his job, and as a result, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of childrens had had um had life altering damage done to them, and they were violated 
in um, like an industrial level. Yeah, um, and by the way, why why has that person who was the head of an important institution and who clearly failed in that role? And you know, th this whole idea, this is a, a right wing conspiracy theory, as it's been called, a far right conspiracy theory. Sorry, uh, that that he should be accused of um, of having failing while overseeing uh, that institution. It's nonsense. Keir Starmer has actually apologised for some of this stuff. He, I'm pretty sure he apologised for the for the Savile uh, failures, and I'm also fairly certain someone will have to look this up, but I'm, I'm fairly certain he also apologised um, over the, the grooming gun scandal yeah. as well. And, and when Boris still called him out on on that in, in the Commons, yeah. Starmer said that Boris is repeating the um, the lies of violent fascists. Yeah. So they're just trying to they're again, just trying to exploit again, the. They're just trying to you. escalate what's already shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, against who? Paedophiles? Fine. <laughs> I mean, the, um, if Boris really wanted to go for the jugular, as you said, Sam, he should have gone for the grooming gangs because that really marred Labour in serious scandal. That should yeah. have ended the party. It is, it is very... In, in the areas that it was highlighted in, i.e. Rochdale, Telford, um, Rotherham, Rotherham, yeah, parts of Yorkshire, parts of the northeast. It is a very, very sensitive issue. Yeah, because you know, I mean, it was so widespread that like people who will go into voting booths and decide, at least ostensibly, the electoral fate of the nation probably knew someone who. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it would either be a neighbour or a, a close. I mean, especially in sort of communities like that where people usually stay closer anyway, families stay closer. There'll be plenty of people who are you know, cousins, nieces, whatever. There'll be relations, neighbours, friends, colleagues, daughters, all this sort of stuff. Um, you're right, a lot of voters will know. So, so why did that person who oversaw this, um, not that he was directly responsible for doing this or whatever, but he was the overseer of the organisation. How did he become Labour leader? A position which essentially is a step towards, if they do well, becoming Prime Minister. It's horrifying. I mean, that's we're going to talk in a minute about um, you know Liz Truss in Russia and political incompetence. That's taking it to another level. That's just um, just incompetence as, as a leader. They can't oversee things. They cannot be in a role such as that. They, you can't hand that much responsibility to someone who has admitted having failed at doing something never mind the prospect of them being prime minister which is it is horrifying i think it's it's really um it, it the the caliber of politicians in this country now is so hideously low um that it's i think that's that's why we're so fed up with the whole political uh, party political squabbling thing because they're all just they're all just uh always political nobodies their their level of 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 just of political character of intelligence on these matters is so low that it's pointless um it is as lavrov said yesterday it's like having blind and deaf people talking to each other they're just they're, they're nobodies on this scale um which i think should push us into the next subject um which is liz truss's visit in moscow which I don't know. I, I was reading about it this morning, and it's—I think it, it sums up so so much of the politics of today, especially around Ukraine. I mean, there's reports um, that that she was asked whether or not Russia um, has sovereignty over areas in Russia. <laughs> like it's like yeah. this being asked, as, as many have pointed out. You know, uh, do you do you believe? The, the UK the UK should have sovereignty over Manchester and Liverpool uh, and and that Russia would reply saying never 
never will we accept that. So what? Well, this is a really important subject. It's some, uh, it could end up being something quite horrifying. Yeah, um, and, something, and, something like something like that could literally catalyze a war. Yeah, yeah. Stup well, stupidity not... and being too big for your boots. Yes, and that's exactly what Britain's attitude is towards the Russo-Ukraine situation. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, Liz Truss said that um, the the oblast of Varensk and Rostov should never have Russian sovereignty, despite them being east of the Ukrainian border. Mm -hmm. And um, well, the first thing I think it shows more than stupidity is that um, Liz Truss trying to be all this, you know big hard politician yeah that's yeah. why she did a photo shoot looking like thatcher in red square in rather overdressed for the weather and uh, so that's why she, and when she met mr lavrov who's i think been the russian foreign secretary for about 20 years now yeah, and has well. been in the was in the security forces under the soviet union so she's like, way out of her depth there <laughs> and uh, the second as, as by it, the way would every british politician almost every british politician would be out of their depth there because yeah. the quality here is just horrendous. Yeah, and and the second reason is, is of course stupidity. Britain and most and the US does not really know what the situation is between Russia and Ukraine. They thought that um, these nations just were placed very neatly onto the earth in 1996 or something. Yeah. And there's just no recognition of the history, no recognition of the fact that Russia may have its own security concerns, which is where we've been shown up by the French. Macron has gone to the Kremlin and Kiev to say, hey, there's a bit of a uh, situation brewing here. Let's calm things down. And then you have just Liz Truss storming in saying, oh, no, you can't have, we'll sanction you for moving around troops inside your own borders. You know, also, what on earth is happening here? So, for, for a country that is geopolitically now little more than a, an American vassal state, we have absolutely no right to be making demands of anyone. We're, we're a vassal state of a ruined empire that's internally divided, economically fractured, and um, is embracing in such self-destructive measures. Yeah. Yeah, it's... An empire that's intent on its own suicide versus one which is largely in resurgence. Yeah, the only, the only thing we're, we're good at now in that sense is believing that we are good, um, is believing we, we're, we're much bigger than we are and that, that we can come into these situations and, and just resolve them with our, with our might and strength. Um, but the, the stiff upper lip is useless if it is blown off your face, remember? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, you know, it's not um, just on, I mean, I think this gaffe, if, if true, as, as I, I, I believe it is, is, is actually really important. It's not a short flight from, from Britain to Moscow. Um, and, and I do wonder if, you know, we talked about the photo shoot with the hats, which was clearly a, a big stunt, given that, you know, local reports have suggested the weather is, <laughs> is far warmer than would normally be expected and that such measures are ridiculous. Um, but it, it does make you wonder whether more time was spent on the plane positioning the hat than actually looking over the brief, at looking over the areas involved um in in the row um at just looking at the 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 cultural and the historical sensitivities as you discussed um or if you know we're talking to collingwood earlier and i think i'll be talking to him uh, a little later as well and he's 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 very good on this subject um if instead britain went with its not an approach not not a plan but a line all we have is a line it's um russia needs to de-escalate it's all their fault and we will stand by Ukraine. That's the line. That is the British approach in full. That's all we have. Um, and it, it seems we went there, said that, 
had as a response, uh, well, we're in our borders. Uh, we don't have plans to invade. Uh, and then we said, yes, but you must de-escalate. You know, it's, there was nothing we had to offer. It's a complete farce. It was nothing but a, a theatrical stunt um, with, with plentiful photo ops. Uh, and, you know, and the media's role in this has been pretty horrific as well, it must be said. You know, the whole um, Lavrov calling mistrust death after the, after the conference, misreported. What he said was, uh, is that the discussion was like a discussion between a deaf person and a mute person. Now, it might have been that he was calling himself deaf and mistrust mute, or perhaps the other way around. We'll never know that. Um, and then also people moaning about the fact Lavrov walked out of the conference uh, or stormed out of the conference, sorry, before mistrust uh, and stormed out the room, whereas he left uh, as the conference finished. Mistrust was a few moments behind and then he held the door for her. You know, all of this is being people want something to happen is the problem because it makes good headlines and good headlines means good clicks and good clicks means a lot of advertisement space and a lot of money. People want there to be a problem here because it would do so well for the paychecks. That's the only reason, not because they have a clue about the political uh, historical situation going on there. It's not because they think, I don't even think people think Russia's in the wrong necessarily, uh, or at least, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the, the establishment who talk about this. The only reason they uh, are bigging it up as much as they are is because the politicians have their own crisis they're trying to reverse tension from, and the media classes uh, just on, on all occasions try and make as much money as possible, this being the latest uh, cash cow. So it, it is infuriating. Um, so little is known about it. I mean, if Liz Truss doesn't know about the geography of Russia, imagine what the the, the general uh, view of, of, of the country's geography is among the British public. And by the way, including mine, I'm not claiming any intelligence on the subject, but equally I wouldn't go over there and demand Russia did this and that if I were in her position and knew as much as she did. But it's dangerous as well if Liz Truss has done this in front of Lavrov and it inside Russia's capital for the sole purpose of being strong to appear as if she can be the next prime minister. Yeah, she's a potential. Whether she's done that in mind, whether she's got not one eye on the Kremlin or Kiev, but one eye back home to the Tory voting base, who, if it comes to a Boris resignation, are going to vote her in and funnel her into the halls of power, where she'll yeah. probably invade Warsaw by mistake. Yeah, well, well having, having photos that she knew 100% and her team around her knew, and those pushing for her to be PM knew, looked just like the photos taken of Margaret Thatcher. That was completely on purpose. It had nothing to do with international politics and everything to do with the fact she wants to be the next prime minister. Um, that that's the only takeaway from this. That is literally all that's happening. It's all to do with British politics. It's got nothing to do with the actual international affair, which Liz Truss demonstrated she knows almost nothing about. Um, so, yeah, that's that. I think is um, that's about the long and short of it, as far as as far as the whole Russia uh, crisis, as it's called, goes. Um, which maybe I suppose, given the uh, the silence after that. A good point for an ending. I think we've we've done about the time we usually aim for, and have covered covered some good ground. There's been a bit of variety there, so uh, we thank you all for listening. We hope that you join us next week for a, a weather report with a bit of news attached to it, and uh, hope you have a good weekend. Cheers. <laughs>